It's October 24th, 2022. This is a special edition of Rook. Well, hi there. Welcome to episode 209 of Rook, The Uprising, The Rebirth of Iranian Pride. I'm Gian Gomeshi. Hello to you from Toronto. Salam dostan aziz. Durut bashama. What we are witnessing is nothing short of the rebirth of Iranian pride. And this is a thank you to the girls, women, boys, men of Iran inside, fighting for change, inspiring the world, creating the conditions where we are finally turning the tide. The rebirth of Iranian pride. Oh, we hear from voices within the borders of the homeland saying, this is the case. How nihilism, resignation, and fear of their own assertions are being erased. But it's also happening across the diaspora. An unstoppable energy that is spreading. Berlin, wow. Toronto, LA, Sydney, Vancouver, London, Tokyo. Our chants have become an expression of years of suppressed identity being heard in the global city streets out loud. Our chants are the collective catharsis of 43 years of being unable to say we're actually proud. Not with an asterisk this time. Not with a disclaimer. Not with an explanation. Not with having to clarify our representation. No, we are not the mullahs. No, the regime is not the people of Iran. No, we don't agree with the ayatollahs. Yes, we want them gone. If you'll allow the indulgence, let us tell you what it's been like. Those of us who've lived in the diaspora for decades. Those of us who were alive, even if we were kids, during the 79 revolution and the hostage crisis that ensued. Those of us who can still taste the bitterness of that international mood. The terror and repression of this barbaric regime that created over four decades of shame. The ludicrous policies, the embarrassing pronouncements, the cozying up to the worst of global despots serving to soil the Iranian name. Look, let's not kid ourselves. There's a long way to go. More people in America, for example, view Iranians negatively than positively, according to the most recent research. And that's by a long shot. Decades of stereotypes and generalizations born and bred from the actions of a murderous theocracy are not easy to undo. But in this moment, we're witnessing something new. Maybe it's the witnessing of the rebirth of Iranian pride. Because finally, finally the world is seeing a different side. Because of the women on the front lines leading the way because of the artists, the activists, the workers and students who will no longer stand silent. They're not just changing Iran, but restoring our own self-identity. You see, we've been the Hollywood villains and the reflexive enemy state. Now the Iranian people are being endorsed by thinkers and celebrities and freedom lovers. We may not be quite used to that yet. And you know, those of us walking in the marches are no longer only supporting the great souls inside Iran battling for insurrection. We are simultaneously recapturing our own backgrounds in an Iranian resurrection. And it's in the songs and slogans and colors and diversity. It's in the sounds of the eloquence and passion at every rally and mass gathering. 
for the hope that all the glory, the love, the poetry, and cultural majesty can once again be seen, for that light that can once again shine on an Iranian dream. There is no turning back. There is a reason we see photos of Berlin and cry. It's because we see an Iranian spirit and unity that didn't die. Thank you to the girls and boys and women and men who have led us from inside Iran. This is the rebirth of Iranian pride. And let's invite it back forever. Today we have another special edition of our program featuring voices from across the diaspora, including award-winning psychotherapist and author Shirin Amoni Azari in London, and professor and writer Dr. Feridun Rahmani in the Rook Studio. Plus, the Rook Roundtable convenes with Pega Shaya and the return of Keon. This is Rook, episode 209, The Uprising, The Rebirth of Iranian Pride. Here we are in the Rook studio with the honor team that uh, has been convening each week, twice a week, actually, during this uh, uprising in the last five weeks. Hello to you, Pega. Hello. And Shia, hello to you. Hi, And also in the studio, our returning champion, uh, Kian Nademi. Hi, Kian. Hi, Gian. Nice to have you here. It's good to be here. Well, uh, actually, I mean, we're going to kick things off in, in, in terms of the interview guests. Uh, in just a little bit from London, Shirin Amoni Azadi. Um, but let me put it to the group first up. Uh, Shirin was in Berlin this weekend, so she can talk to us about that incredible um, site of, I don't know, 100,000 people in Berlin um, that we all know about the big demonstration that happened. I, I posted on Instagram that um, I was just so proud of Iranians um, and I, that I had tears in my eyes just looking at the pictures of Berlin. I just did an opening essay about pride. Keon, uh, we haven't heard from you uh, here since, uh, haven't had you in the studio since the uprising began. Do you feel that sense of pride yourself? How have you been processing the last few weeks? I mean, the it's horrible what's happening in Iran. It's absolutely devastating and it's very hard to watch but the one positive thing that has come out of this is the unity all ages all different ethnic groups everybody has come together in support of one another and i just i it brings tears to my eyes every time i go to one of these protests just observing you know what what was it 50,000 people in toronto alone 100,000 in berlin that's that i when have you ever seen that it's we've never seen that never. We, not in our lifetime never. In, in, in the diaspora do you um, I, I've noticed you very active in social media, and you you're never somebody who I've thought of as an activist or somebody you don't you don't wear your politics loudly. You clearly are these days. Tell me about that. Tell me what that's been like for you. How could you stay silent in a time like this? I think we're all anybody outside of the West who's Iranian is feeling really guilty. We're not inside Iran, we can't do anything on the streets to help. So what can we do? We have to amplify their voices and just get the word out as much as possible and do not stay silent. For God's sake, just keep it up because nobody else is on our side. You know, and our politicians certainly aren't in the West. So <laughs> you don't somebody feel like has, the politicians I are. do not. Uh, otherwise they would 
fucking do something mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. You know, stop dealing with them behind our backs. Mm-hmm. So who's gonna who's gonna speak for the Iranian people if not us? Um, you were at the demonstration in Toronto on the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me first of all how you reacted to seeing Berlin, uh, and tell me how you how you felt about uh, things walking the streets in Toronto. I, Gian, I, I can't help but just, it brings tears to my eyes just seeing the amount of unity. And uh, there was a video clip of this old, sweet old man walking. He could barely walk, mm. but he was just a part of the protest in Toronto. And I'm just imagining, like, you know, everybody's coming together because we want, we all want this so badly. So, we, like, we'll do everything we, financially, like, what, whatever it takes. We want yeah. freedom for Iran. You know, I was, when I saw the pictures, uh, it was Saturday morning, our time. So we were a few few hours away from going on the demonstration mm-hmm. ourselves, but we're seeing pictures from Germany coming in and video coming in of the, the crowd there. And I, I, like you, I literally got tears in my eyes and I was thinking, this is weird. Why am I crying looking at a crowd of people? Like a, it's a picture of a crowd and I'm crying. Yeah. But that's how profound the emotions are behind this, where these are things that we've, um, and what I was trying to say in that essay, we, we, these are things that we've wanted our whole life. We've wanted to feel like we belong to a group that is recognized, you know, mm-hmm. Iranians, and that is seen in a positive light, yeah. um, and is that that strong, that unified um, in in a you know in a beautiful Western city coming together like that, and it's emotional. Were you feeling that, Pega? Yeah, I mean, I think it's this shared feeling. Um, that you have walking alongside 50,000, 100,000 people in whatever city outside of Iran it is, it's to know that, you know, you turn around and the person next to you is sharing all those same feelings of whether it's hope or apprehension or sadness or exhilaration or all these feelings that we've continuously talked about um, and also the shared goal. I mean, we all want the same thing. We want freedom for Iran and to know that you have the support of whether it's 50,000 people locally or 100,000 people in another city, and to see that reflected whether you're at the demonstration or seeing pictures of it, I think that's why it hits us so hard. It's amazing how familiar the lexicon has become in such a short time Mm -hmm. and internationally. Like, you just have to say, say her name, and we know to say, ma, so, amini. You know, you just have to say, hey, hey, oh, we know how to say. Mm -hmm. And and it's not just happening in Toronto, it's happening everywhere. Shia, you're nodding? Yes, I'm nodding, because it's really profound, like, even with non-Iranian people, mm-hmm. you say say her name. Someone probably will say Massa. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. I have a question. Uh, do you think in other diaspora communities something like Berlin or like uh, Toronto would happen or no? Like let's say in Argentinian in exile or I don't know. Yeah, I think so. I mean, w- you, you know, w- one of the things that is so important about what's this this in Iran is is for us as Iranians I think is there's there's so much there's been so much repression and we've kind of been again this is what I was trying to go with the rebirth of Iranian pride we've kind of been closeted about it I mean you mm. you know um, for somebody who 
is more recently coming from Iran like yourself. There's mm-hmm. so much pride in being able to be vocal and mm-hmm. all of this. Is, but for mm-hmm. someone who, like me or Keon, where we've grown up here for years and we know that what we know what it's like to be whispering that we're Iranian in some places mm-hmm. be, just to get through whatever the, the moment was without having to, you know, get into a big argument about, no, we don't support Khomeini, we're, you know, or we don't agree with this, or just mm-hmm. even to deal with, you know, the negativity. I mean, again, surveys show, as I mentioned in the essay over and over again, that in the West, in places like the United States, and even in Canada, negatives have, there's a, a negative impression of Iranians based mm-hmm. on stereotypes, mm-hmm. based on generalizations, based on a regime. Yes, if you just look at that regime, you would have a negative impression. That's not who we are. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so, so to be walking in Toronto and to have non-Iranians who are up in the buildings, yes. you know, cheering us on and giving mm-hmm. us the peace sign, yes. and you know, that's a different thing that I dare say some other communities maybe wouldn't feel in the same way because they haven't been hated for as long, you know, yeah. uh, or yeah, or reviled for things that you know are not necessarily yeah. our fault. I mean, there was a revolution that we could take the blame for, but you know. Um, go ahead, I was going to say the other thing I noticed is, you know, for as long as I can remember, I've always said I'm Persian. I don't say I'm Iranian. Recently, everyone is because we're finally proud to be yeah. Iranian. The public has finally seen that. Wait a minute. The Iranian government is not the Iranian people. There's a difference. They don't represent the same thing. Mm-hmm. So we can finally proudly say I am Iranian. Mm-hmm. And cool celebrities are now, you know, I mean, we're not quite at the at the level of the Premier League changing its flag to the Ukrainian flag, you know, no, that, we'll, that they, hopefully we'll get there. One that day. was, that was amazing. That kind of support that the Ukraine felt in, in the, in the, the spring and, and still feels, I would, I would hope, you know, but, but we're getting, we're sensing a bit of that, what it's mm-hmm. like to have, um, really have the world just wake up to, uh, the hardship of, of Iranian yeah. people. I mean, I think I, I see that picture again of the hundred thousand people. And I think mm-hmm. about, I think about my family. I think about you know uh, uh, how difficult it was for my dad to be separated from you know his mom and yes. and the, the, and 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 our family in Iran. How how members of our family that extended family that died in the Iran Iraq War. Mm-hmm. All of the the shit that, that we've all been through. Yes. You know, um, just just even myself not being able to travel there for my whole lifetime. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. that that stuff is you, you realize how it's not that deep it's it's close to the surface yeah. when you start crying by looking yes. at a picture yeah. the other thing is something i'm really excited about and i feel like this is the first time in my life where i don't have to defend myself being iranian i mean i think growing up anyone who i ever spoke to who wasn't iranian <laughs> would kind of like you said you know connotate being iranian or persian or whatever we want to call it with the regime and what they saw on mainstream media and this is the first time that I feel like I speak to people and I say, you know, I'm Iranian or this is what's going on in Iran. And I don't get that sense of being defensive where mm-hmm. I have to prove to them that, you know, we're we're much more than just what's being portrayed yeah. in, you know, as a result of the government. Yeah. And that's the power of social media. The only way they're getting this information is through social media. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, my God, before 79, women had freedom. Who knew? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. That's what my white friends are telling me. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's. I actually equivocated about having this conversation because we don't want to, I mean, I certainly don't want to suggest that the the horrific things, I mean, you led appropriately, I think, Keon, with I'm horrified by what, the horrific things that are happening in Iran right at this moment, you know, um, people being imprisoned, detained, tortured, killed, kids, uh, 
that that surely is the priority that surely is the thing that we should be focusing on that and that surely is the reason why we're we're exhausted from not sleeping and traumatized by looking at the images of what's been happening in Iran for the last five weeks but I do also believe that we have to take this moment uh, or a moment or maybe a, a couple times a week to go wow you know that was a great thing Kudos to those people who organized Berlin so well. Kudos to the folks who spoke there and Ali, our buddy Ali Azimi playing there. Kudos to to those people around the world who came out this weekend. Um, there's a there's a piece of art that's hanging in our office now. Mm-hmm. Big props to our our team member um, uh, Anahita. Uh, she it was her idea. She she came to the protest uh, um, in Toronto with a giant canvas. Um, and carried it throughout, and we we sat at Nathan Phillips Square, which is a Toronto City Hall, uh, for a couple of hours. Uh, and yeah. and she would she and I were holding markers, and people came and and signed this thing. Probably a thousand people signed whatever they want on this, and it is maybe one of my favorite pieces of artwork. And you know, I'll look at that forever and feel emotional yeah. looking at it. And even just a couple of people who've passed by who've looked at it and have gotten tears in their eyes just because it. It is the people, you know, it's the, it's the, and, and just holding those pens and, and seeing the desire of all of these different people to want to sign this thing and say something like, we're with you, um, Nika, or, uh, you know, let's have a revolution or, or um, proud to be Iranian or whatever they were writing. Uh, a lot of it, which is in Farsi, so I can't read. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I keep asking, Shia, please tell me what this says. <laughs> Pega, what does this say? But. Well, I was going to say, actually, you know, even standing there and seeing every individual who came up to write something, I was just, I took a couple of minutes just to observe the people and that, that emotion and everything that we keep talking about, it was so apparent in just their faces, the way that they wanted to hug, whether it was Anahita or one of us or, you know, just to express that feeling in one way or another. And how important it was, what they were going to write on. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a bunch of people. Yeah. whole couple of people holding a canvas and then it felt but it was really important that people thought about what do I yeah. want to write on this thing and yeah it really it just felt really wonderful now that said I, I wanted to mention that uh, you know we talk a lot about unity and I do agree that there is a great deal of unity that is so inspiring right now but I'm I, I should also mention that at the Toronto demonstration at least at the culmination of it there was that thing that Mm-hmm. we're not unfamiliar with where there were two or three different groups none of which I'm a, a member of unfortunately <laughs> I, I don't have a home in these uh, competing factions but kind of having I don't know dueling demonstrations yeah. and you know there's one group over here chanting something and another group over there with a speaker speaking and um, there, there, it, it just I, I don't know how we can just stop doing that you know as a community uh, it, it's really not helpful it's really not welcome and it really kind of i feel like undermines the the point the power is is the thousands of people walking together and it's it's not really who gets to speak and who's the you know but yeah but thankfully it seems like it's a small percentage it is. i mean I would really say. small I would say. so it doesn't say. even yeah. it does not overpower the crowds yeah. the message is that yeah, yeah yeah i think it was a couple of episodes back when we were talking first about um the sense of unity and you know being taken aback by the large numbers of people and not seeing that mm. because up until this saturday i hadn't seen that i hadn't seen that at any one of the protests that i've gone to true yeah. and so um at the end of 
the protest on Saturday when that kind of started to happen, I was just thinking, oh, well, there it is, you know. <laughs> and it was almost this thing that I had expected at every single protest leading up to this. And it has been. Uh, you haven't been to as many protests <laughs> in the last few weeks. There, it, it has. Yeah. It has been present a few times. But, but you, you know, the big, the big message, and certainly everything I was hearing. I mean, we'll ask Shireen in a moment, who has just arrived back in London from Berlin. But everything I've heard from mm-hmm. Berlin was just complete unity and yeah and, and you know there's there's one clear goal here freedom in iran mm-hmm. uh um uh women life freedom i mean that's that's you know it's pretty simple and so um yeah i mean i i, I just had to mention it because i'm uh, it, it it bugs the shit out of me that that's still that there's still people who um believe that this is the opportunity to Scream, Hijack. scream their mm-hmm. agenda against somebody else's. It's like, come on, let's let's try and get on the same page here uh, momentarily. At, at least at least you do that on social media. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's what you need to do. I mean, thank, again, thankfully, it's very minimal compared to the overall just general crowd of people that are unified. So. Yeah. I've seen that kind of fight between people and honestly it's more about personal ego rather than their mm-hmm. belief in some like mm-hmm. ideology but uh, but generally it's amazing like you like feel side by side of the people it's amazing yeah mm-hmm. um i wanted to mention something that uh just moving away from the the, the protests and the pride and and berlin and we'll talk about that again with our first guest in a moment um and i should also mention dr feridun uh um, Rahmani is coming up uh, in about 30 minutes from now. I want to talk, though, about cyberspace and tech attacks. And we've been discussing Internet blockages with respect to Iran. I want to talk about an, an Internet blockage of a different kind that's happening. Um, there's a weird thing happening in the West, and I don't know how empirical this is, but it's something that a lot of folks are talking about, and that is that those who have a platform who are speaking out about Iran, presumably on the side of the revolution, of course, um, are suddenly finding that they're potentially blocked or having some trouble in social media. And I dare say this has happened to me on Instagram, where suddenly I can't post stories. Now, it might just be that my phone is not working or there's some issue going on. But um, this happened, and then I started seeing a number of people in social media, um, folks who are prominent, much more prominent than me in some cases in terms of their following and stuff, saying, ever since I start, whenever I talk about Iran, my stories don't get seen or they get edited or they get deleted um, and that this may be the handiwork of the Islamic Republic, uh, the regime that is somehow, it's not a, no secret that there's IRGC agents or tentacles of the regime in different parts of the, the world and here in Canada and always looking at what's going on. But uh, as nefarious and crazy as it sounds, it's actually not that unrealistic. So, Pega, I was telling you about it, and you did some research, and what did you find? Yeah, I mean, a couple things. So, first thing is, um, Meta has denied that they're censoring any sort of information, but I mean, like you said, even just looking at our immediate networks, we see people who are being shadow banned, which is exactly what you were referring to. So, you know, being unable to post or being able to post and not getting the same type of views or likes or um, any sort of interaction the way that you you would have regularly. So, that's the first thing. Uh, the, The other 
another thing that I found out was um, there's a German-based Iranian journalist who was doing some digging on this matter. And what he actually found was a source um, through the German branch of TELUS International, which is actually a Canadian contractor that provides content moderation to Instagram. And so this source was quoted saying that the Iranian government has actually offered financial rewards for the deletion of any sort of account opposing the regime. And I mean, it's it's crazy. The numbers are something like 5,000 to 10,000 euros per account deleted. So that's that's the level that this is being taken to in terms of, you know, the IRGC monitoring mm-hmm. and trying to get ahead of the spread of information because mm-hmm. we've seen that's been the most vital part of, of this revolution. Well, and we know that if you really want to uh, do this kind of thing and you've got big resources behind you, mm-hmm. it's not that hard to hack into people's that's social right. media and fuck with it, right? Uh, it's It's just way too conspicuous. Again, I mean, maybe... Tomorrow I'll be able to story again. Mm-hmm. I don't know, um, but we've also noticed some weird stuff with our views. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. all of a sudden, you know, we were a couple of my opening essays were doing four hundred thousand views, and all of a sudden one wasn't being seen, and it mm-hmm. was like, how is that going? And then people were writing, going, "There's no volume, or I can't see it," or, yeah. uh, and that's a dramatic change, mm-hmm. and it's shifted really quickly somehow in the last couple of week or so. Something, so, and and here I am not being able to story. Have you heard anything about this? Can yeah, you? absolutely. I noticed it. Um, I was posting stuff about Iran, and then to break it up, I posted a cheersing video, and then back to Iran. And I noticed the cheersing video, like drinks, you know, what I'm cheersing with friends. Mm-hmm. That one had a higher view than any of the mm-hmm. any of the other videos, and it's supposed to go in chronological order. So yeah, that how does doesn't that make, make any sense? sense. No. Yeah. The other thing that a lot of people are doing just to try and see what's going mm-hmm. on is um you know how instagram has those stickers when there's like events going on in the world so i think right now it's diwali and so a lot of people are saying put stickers from that onto your stories because that will change the algorithm so the hashtags that we're using whether it's iran revolution or Massa amini or whatever those are the ones that are being targeted mm-hmm. so if you put something else then the chances of it showing up are a little bit more but how uh, how dystopian is yeah. this right that it's one thing that this this regime is doing what it does inside Iran. It's another thing that it's even targeting, you know, Iranian activists, you know, near the borders of Iran, whatever. That that a global effort to suppress mm-hmm. those of anybody who's yeah. speaking out about Iran. Can you imagine how? Uh, again, I mean, we don't. This is not. I, I, I don't feel comfortable saying that this is all confirmed, mm-hmm. but it is highly conspicuous that so many people are experiencing the same thing and saying the same thing all at once. Mm-hmm. And we know some other folks in Toronto who uh, who are quite you know well known or in terms of uh, posting things and suddenly are getting their stuff deleted and yeah. not seen and. Um, <laughs> and this is meta specifically because I haven't noticed it on Twitter. So yeah, that's exactly. very suspicious. Ooh. Yeah. And uh, they're the only ones who have actually come out and denied anything like this, too. Yeah. So, you know, the fact that they're even addressing it, I think, is interesting. Um, on the scale of, of, of fear and, and um, the, the intimidation, you know, we like to think things are progressing in terms of the the will of what seems like the 
the universal will of, of near universal will of Iranian people inside Iran to to want to change this regime. It was interesting last Thursday when we did that Voices in Iran in, inside Iran episode, and uh, none of the none of the people we spoke to could find anybody in 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 Iran. Had to, mm-hmm. one, one guy said, "I have one guy who was a taxi driver that he found that was supporting the regime." There was literally they they don't know anyone that isn't supporting this movement. Um, that said, and, and 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 the growth of it is of the movement and the 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 you know things like Berlin giving us all this energy. That said, it does seem like the crackdowns and the the, the sheer intimidation and the the detention and the torture and the Evan prison and all that is going house to house is having an effect. Um, it it's hitting us directly in the sense that. We've been every Thursday doing an episode where we do Voices Inside Iran, where our team members, who are quite resourceful and and we have all kinds of connections in Iran, especially with young people in different cities who have been involved in demonstrations, have been contacting folks and uh, getting them to, 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 to come on our show. We've been using pseudonyms. Uh, we sometimes use different communication platforms so that they don't get... Um, uh, found out, etc. And I'd say in week one, you oh, know, yeah. there was no issues. In week two, there was some communications issues in terms of the cellular service or, or the internet going down or whatever. Um, this week, we're we're contemplating whether to program something else this Thursday in terms of bringing on other voices, etc. Rather than our voices inside Iran, I say that with some sadness because I think the most powerful thing we've done in the last five weeks is is put these voices uh, of people inside Iran on the air, on on our platforms. Uh, but this Thursday, we're thinking of doing something different because we can't find anybody all of a sudden. Not, I don't want to say all of a sudden, but we can't find anybody who really feels comfortable coming on. Um, people are scared. Even the young activists mm-hmm. who are in the demonstrations, and we know they are, are are scared. And a couple of them have said, okay, you know, maybe I'll come, but, but uh, and, you know, we don't want to be forcing them or goading them into doing this or something. But that's a, it's, it, that's, it's a really sad turn of events. Uh, because it suggests that, again, that level of intimidation, uh, as much as the protests and the will of will for change are continuing in Iran, that intimidation is having some effect. Even some of the people that we brought on in the first week, so we know they want to come on, mm-hmm. we, we know they're open to it, we know they're eloquent, we know they really want to do this, are now saying, I, I don't feel comfortable doing this anymore. The, the, what's going on here is terrifying in terms of what they're doing to people who are speaking. Yeah, I mean, I, I talked to one of my friends that he kind of agreed a couple of weeks ago to come on the show and he moved from Canada to Iran and he goes to like poverty areas and help people, help child. And, mm. and the, this morning I was talking to him and asked him to come again and he said, actually they're monitoring me they're monitoring all my act and all my activities and i i I, it's better to not come on it's not a good time to come on the show and Mm. yeah yeah well (laughs) all right yeah i'm gonna we're gonna go to our first guest but before we do so Keon, it's so nice to have you here give me a sense of um of how you've been feeling before we let you go in terms of uh where you are on 
being hopeful or being, I mean, you're someone who's said for a long time that you want to visit Iran, but you, you can't do so and, 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 uh, and won't do so. And, and tell me how, how you're feeling about where, where all this might go. You know, despite all the shadow banning and <clears throat> all the efforts of the regime trying to put an end to this, they can't. Look at, like, when have we ever seen the world have this much attention, this this many eyes on Iran? So it's now or never, and I don't think there's any stopping this. This is going to keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. You're, you, you know, you're talking about them being scared inside, but they're still going out on the streets. They're still risking their lives. Yeah. Because what is the point of living life if you have no freedom? That's it. I, if I was out there, I would be doing the same thing. Life has no value if you have no freedom. Yeah, so I, th- I, I think about you hosting that, um, uh, co-hosting that uh, Flight 752 thing that uh, Memorial in the days after convocation, uh, after the the flight was shot down and, and there was a big um, uh, memorial at Convocation Hall in Toronto and, and the slogan has always been never forgive, never forget. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like we're, living that yeah. right now it's yeah. like no no no. we we can't forgive can't forget have to keep keep at this and and um uh speaking to those young people in in iran each week uh, on this show has so convinced me that because they say it makes a difference to them if we're out on the streets it makes a difference to them if we're speaking it makes a difference to them if if we're holding placards or doing whatever we can that's that's the reason we can't stop mm-hmm. you know yeah shadow banning, whatever, I can't post stories or I'll figure out another way to do this then, you know, uh, but. Um, I have no doubt it's gonna happen. I have faith, this is it, this is the time. It, it might take longer than we expect it to, mm. but this is gonna keep getting bigger and bigger. Thanks for being here. Nice good to see you. Good to see you guys. Hopefully see you more good regularly. Good to see you here. Good Kiana, to see you, Shia. I miss you, miss you too. <laughs> <laughs> you especially, Shia. <laughs> um, Shia and Pego, uh, thank you guys. Let's, um, Shia, do we have Shireen? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Let's, so let's go to London. And uh, our first guest today is an award-winning Swedish-Iranian psychotherapist specializing in PTSD. Shirin Amoni Ozari has worked with victims of war and torture over two decades now. She is on the advisory board of Acute Doctors Abroad and has a new book coming out in February of next year entitled Once Upon a Time in Tehran. In the meantime, this weekend, she was in Berlin for that historic demonstration in support of the new Iran revolution and right now. Shirin Amoni Ozari joins me from London, England. Hello. Hello, Gian. How are you? I'm well. I'm 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 excited to or very glad to have you on the show. We've wanted to do this for a while. Of course, we were going to wait for your book to come out. We've got to do that when your book does come out. But in the meantime, thank you for doing this. Thank you for inviting me. So l- let me start with a general question. H- how would you describe the last few weeks in your life and headspace since the killing of Maso Amini? It's been hard. I think it's been hard for everyone, but it has been difficult in a sense that I work with victims of war and torture and um, lots of um, clients and patients that we've been working with are experiencing flashbacks. And it has been hard um, because I've been working with them for the past 20 years and it feels that um, the stories they tell me and the stories that um, I hear on a daily basis is um, it is painful. It's painful to see that um, 
that it's all happening, but I'm so glad that it's being voiced. I am so happy. Um, and I think it brings a lot of people strength to see that finally they can be heard, they can be seen, their voices, uh, they're even helping to raise awareness. And that itself brings a lot of uh, powerfulness. When you talk about flashbacks, there's so much to discuss in terms of the trauma of the Iranian people, but are you talking in particular about Gashter Shah, the morality police? Are you talking about um, the regime murdering people? What, 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 what in particular, when we talk about flashbacks, are you referencing? Flashbacks in, in, um, in terms of being tortured. Um, so I work with Iranians who've been tortured um, during the regime in the Evin prison. And these are people who are educated. These are people who uh, are very open-minded to democracy, to liberty, freedom in Iran. And uh, they've been voicing their, um, and obviously there is no freedom of speech. So therefore they've been imprisoned. And some of them have been able to, um, to not escape necessarily. Some have, some haven't, but um, have done their time, but during the time that they've served in the prison, they've been brutally, brutally tortured. Um, the regime is using um, really brutal um, torture techniques, and maybe we won't have time to go through that today. But yeah. it feels that um, some of some of it are being voiced, and some may know, and some may not. But People are seeing it today, and people are hearing about it today, and and um, it 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 brings some sort of a comfort. Um, I, I knew that you'd worked with people who have spent time in Evin. What 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 was your first thought when? I mean, I want to get to Berlin in this past weekend, but the weekend before, of course, there's always something going on. And the weekend before was that that horrific fire and explosions and gunshots in Evin prison, where we know. Um, a lot of great poets and artists and writers and, and musicians and, and human rights campaigners, et cetera, are, are kept uh, and the kind of people that you work with. What was your first thought when you saw that? My heart broke. I think, uh, Jean, for, for, for 10 minutes, <laughs> my left eye couldn't see. It was um, that traumatic to me as, as a person, as an Iranian, and that not being a therapist was just the person feeling pain. Um, and I think that anyone who knows uh, about Evin knows that, as you say, um, these are educated people, these are poets, these are authors, um, open-minded. This, this is a political prison. Yes. Um, I have had the privilege, the honor to work with them, honestly. I've learned uh, from them. So it's, it was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking. Um, I think my only escape was to write on Instagram and saying, just help. And I think on that post, I tagged all the prime ministers that I could think of. Mm. Um, so, um, yes, um, I, it, it, it was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking. You, you, um, but yes, go ahead. This is Berlin. Um, you are going to, to come to that. So yeah, I, I, well, I was going to say, first of all, I mean, I know 
you you grew up as a little kid in Iran. You you spent your formative years growing up in Sweden. You're now in London. Tell tell me about making and I know I know you've attended demonstrations in London in recent in recent weeks. Uh, t- tell me about making the decision that you wanted to be in Berlin this weekend. Um, the decision came when I was up. I was absolutely sure that I wanted to do this when um, last Saturday happened. But when it was announced, it felt that um, I um, I had to be there in order to be part of a group hmm. who would be the unity, the unity who are voicing and saying that we want democracy in Iran, we want to have liberty in Iran, and the unity was beautiful. I think coming together and saying that no matter what or who we're supporting, who we're not supporting, we just want to have some sort of a democracy, democracy for Iranians. And I think the time is right. I do believe after being in Berlin that um, we can do this. Um, I'm, I'm very sure of it. And um, the way that it was organized, the way that it was uh, set up, and people who would come and speak of their pain and us just being there um, in unity and voicing mm. our need and our want for democracy was just beautiful. Berlin was beautiful. You know, th- those of us, uh, even though we've attended demonstrations of 50,000 and more here in Toronto and, and across the diaspora, those of us who saw those images from Berlin this weekend, I mean, I posted, I had tears in my eyes just looking at the pictures. You were there. Um, we all know that the, the crowd was huge and there were inspirational speeches. What surprised you? Did anything happen this weekend that you didn't expect when uh, going to a, a big demonstration in Berlin? Yes, the unity surprised me. I feel that um, uh, maybe I, I um, should be politically correct, but I, I honestly didn't think that it would be as beautiful, as united as we were. And that taught us something that, um, and, and brought lots of hope um, that we can actually do this, the unity. It was just one thing that everybody asked for. And that was freedom. Um, also, I feel that being that organized, um, yes, of course, Berlin, Germany had lot, lots to offer. And I was surprised, pleasantly surprised by that too, that um, a lot of the German community joined um, in, in a fantastic way. We had volunteers guiding, we had, um, so many supporting. I heard that there were Iranians in the hotel asking for, um, or, or saying they were there for the demonstrations and, and they were offered um, plenty of um, uh, advice, encouragement, wow. um, support, assistance. It was beautiful. Um, also um, having the singers, the artists, the uh, Hamid Ismailun, creating this beauty um, of voices. Yeah. People who had carried all that pain. My God, a mother who was speaking of losing her daughter, her son, her grandchild, um, 
her daughter-in-law in in one go on the flight um, and and standing there and and saying it. It was powerful. It was beautiful. You know, um, on this question of unity and... um I sometimes we lament even in we've been saying even in the the demonstration this weekend in Toronto you saw some different factions and stuff and this is always an issue that we worry about in the Iranian community but I I started today's show with an essay called the rebirth of Iranian pride and where I was going with that was that somewhere in the the cocktail of what's happened in the last few weeks particularly led by the young girls and women and, and men in Iran who've been leading this uh, fight against the regime uh, most recently. Um, something has changed in the Iranian diaspora too and on these demonstrations and the, in the way we we are acting um, as someone who's grown up entirely in the diaspora. I can tell you that this is the first time in the last 43 years where I feel like we're out on the streets saying we're Iranian without an, a- an asterisk, you know, without saying, but we're not the regime. We're not, you know, we don't agree with this. We don't agree with that. Here's a disclaimer. There's this catharsis that we're feeling. Um, w- would you would you say you felt that in Berlin? Absolutely. Absolutely, I did. I've been working with monarchists and I have been working with um, those who are left-handed and I've been working with someone who is a Mujahideen from the Mujahideen group. They all, throughout the sessions that I've had over the years, all want the same thing and that's freedom and that's liberty for Iran, that's democracy for Iran. So they would do anything, give their lives in order to have a democratic country. So I felt that this Saturday, and I've been feeling it uh, in the demonstrations, as you say, slowly, gradually in London too, uh, that we can come together. But what about the can... the pride piece? Do you feel that? The, the, yes. the, the pride in being Iranians? It's not something that, yes. quite frankly, it's not something we're used to. I mean, we no. we tend to, we you know, we say all those things about Iranians invented everything and all that, but but we're not you know, we're, we're, we're always a bit looking over our shoulder because we know that um, the, the world hasn't seen the best face of Iran in the last 43 years in terms of the headlines and the stereotypes and the generalizations and the regime, right? Absolutely. 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 I was brought up in Sweden. So uh, when we when we first arrived in Sweden, there was lots of things that you would hear as a child and you would be asked to go back or it would be things like um, how many camels did your father own or it would be things like well you asked for the revolution or these are the you, you know you asked for the scarf and being uh, having hijab and mm. a lot of arrogance but i think and ignorance but i think that as you say I can proudly say, and I can raise my head and say, <laughs> I'm Iranian. And these are our women, these are our men who are asking for freedom and democracy. And they're giving their lives um, for us to, um, in hope for, for a democratic country, yes. Yeah. There, there was a, I, I know that we saw these images of, um, at Berlin in the weekend of buses being coming in from different European countries of of Iranians so you you had this unity of Iranians but also Iranians of a number of different national stripes right you had Swedish Iranians and British Iranians tell me a bit about that 
Yes, absolutely. I mean, it was it was magnificent. It was just so beautifully organized. I cannot say enough about that. Um, we found buses from from Gothenburg. Uh, so there were three buses that we came across from Gothenburg, and then there were three buses from Stockholm. And we waved to them, and we some some we spoke to actually because they were just entering the buses, and we uh, we we shared that um, pride, as you mentioned, and and and. Um, again, happiness and joy for for, for the unity, mm. um, and um, it was beautiful. And they were just, it was just so funny that they just had finished their dinner. Some were actually brushing their teeth on the bus, and we could see that they were sort of getting ready to go to sleep, and waving and and cheering. Um, it was beautiful seeing those buses go by. But then the following day, we actually met some from from uh, Amsterdam. Amsterdam, Holland, various places, but um, and they were they were happy to come too, and we chatted to uh, to a number of um, the Iranians there too, and everybody was just happy, so happy, um, and it was just that beauty of sharing, and the weather was great, and and with this flash mob that I sent you, and and they were joining one by one. You sent me was, a video of. A bunch of people spontaneously in Berlin uh, yeah. the next day after the demonstration um, singing Bad Aya, right? The singing that the that's song that's become the effective nath- uh, anthem of this. Um, yeah, it was it was beautiful. I mean that that's happening everywhere, but uh, yeah. y- you know we're all, we're all experiencing that in in one moment around the world. Let me let me um, just ask you before I I. I let you go. I and I'm I'm so grateful for the time today. And I once again should mention I really do want um, to do the to do your whole story and how you came to do what you do and and talk about uh, your new book um, in in the future. Um, but for now, you are a psychotherapist. You do specialize in PTSD. Um, you have been in the Iran space and working with Middle Eastern folks. Can can I ask you not just about what? Uh, Iranians inside Iran experience, but what are the psychological effects of what we are experiencing as a global community? Actually, let me say the disclaimer that I don't want to minimize what's happening to those in Iran who are on the front lines and talk about the diaspora, but for those people around the world right now, Iranians who are as we've been talking about each week, doom scrolling. You know, we all spend 24-7 looking through our, our Instagram and our social media, looking at these horrible images. And uh, what, what are the psychological effects of that, seeing children dying whose names we're learning and ages we know and and, and feeling that, that horrible twist in our stomach? And at the same time, the inspiration of seeing children and others, um, young girls, fighting for change in Iran. Tell, tell me what, what has gone through your head in terms of assessing our, our global community, if you can do so psychologically. I think it, the powerlessness, uh, the burden, the guilt, the survival guilt is, is, is an issue that we're all carrying. You know, seeing, watching what's happening uh, to Iranians inside Iran today, um, I think it's a, it's a very heavy burden to carry. Um, I don't think that the powerlessness should be underestimated because some people are going through hard time, hardship, not knowing how to cope with that, not having enough coping mechanism or um, support net group for it, um, and also feeling that um, 
all they can do wait all week to do the demonstration at the end of the week to mm. bring ourselves some sort of a relief we have social media to escape to in order in order to uh being able to have some sort of a release for the feelings that we are feeling um many people suffer from broken sleeping patterns um i hear many waking up in the middle of the night many have said to me that this this is their pattern today or right. early in the morning just to catch up with the news and see what's going on um and it's it's hard it's hard not being able to especially when the social yeah. media has come off you feel that there is this group of loved ones fighting for freedom and there's no way you can reach you search for some sort of a news from from anywhere anywhere when the incident at in Evin happened last Saturday. I think I had hundreds of messages saying that Shane, can you just share anything? Can you share any news that you've heard? Um, and, and that just goes to show that many slept around four o'clock in the morning, not knowing what was going on, uh, sticking yeah. to television, changing channel, channels. So it just goes to show that, that it is it is hard uh, to find how to how to how to release that. Um, those those tensions, that guilt. Well, also so, how to how to navigate our own health. I mean, do you have a do you have a prescription for this? What one of our team members said a couple of weeks ago here on the show said, you know, she she said I have to take a a break for a couple of days. I had to take a break because I was I was going crazy. I was I was it was really affecting my mental state. And another team yeah. member said, well. You know, there are people dying in Iran. How dare you know? Kind of like, uh, you know, took her to task, saying, "Well, what? Like we can't handle just looking at Instagram." But it is a difficult um, burden. To your right, I mean, I I find myself unable to sleep just seeing what's happening, and 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 some of it is FOMO, some of it is fear of missing out the, the latest atrocity. And I've got to say something, I've got to do something. Um, but but some of it can't be healthy in terms of the, the marathon nature of what we what, what's going to have to happen here. Do you have some sort of counsel on that? I think it's more looking at it, it's more like diving, you just you just have to be careful not to run out of oxygen, you just have to be able to care for yourself, we have to remember that our energy is needed. We have to remember how to balance it out. We have to know that uh, we just, we drown otherwise, and we won't be any good to anyone if, if we do. So we just need to balance it out and being able to able to cope. So, so how, do, how do you do that? Mm -hmm. So what, what's important is to remember that self-care is important. If you can if you can monitor yourself and see that you're actually stepping out of your well what, what's called a boundary um then you probably need to um you need to see how you can balance it all out it depends every individual is different so i couldn't give give a general advice right. to all of the iranians but i think what's important is that when you see that you're not interacting with the world the way not the way that you used to do but in a stressful situation then you need to you need to see to yourself that you are taking care of yourself if you feel that you're not for instance drowning as much that you're not seeing to your basic needs like whether it's sleep or eating or um 
self-care like shower because many may 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 get out of that routine so that's important this is very 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 important because your energy is needed your you need to care for yourself in order to in order to offer positive healthy energy um to iranians in iran they're looking they're looking out they're seeing us they want us to hear them um so therefore yes we're needed our energy is needed we need to be focused stay focused and a final question to you um uh, you're a mother yes yes i am how 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 do you cope with or or what what are your thoughts on kids being on the front lines um of the revolution in iran they're so inspirational um they're 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 incredible they're 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 seemingly fearless as well um but but they're kids and they're and they're being killed um uh, talk to reflect on that and reflect on the the role that you think parents need to play in this i i don't know if if uh, obviously we can't tell iranians inside iran what to do but what goes through your mind both as a mother and a psychotherapist i think it's so painful for us to watch that as parents and as any human being i think um Iranian or non-Iranian seeing a child being on the front line it's devastating um and i think that i did watch was it yes it was a clip that i watched and and the child was saying goodbye to its room before leaving mm-hmm. and that was heartbreaking it was truly heartbreaking he had made up his mind that he may not see his room today and that is inspiring it's absolutely inspiring the fact that um he wanted to do this because he believed that um this is what he can do for his country many do not tell their parents where they're going or what they're doing so um again this is you know it it seems that they've made up their minds about where they want to go with this and how they want to live or not live they've made that decision um you don't want to encourage it's so hard it is inspiring but um and something that you know one would call legendary but um again what breaks my heart is the fact that there is no other option mm. that just says and speak volumes of um the brutal the brutality that they're facing um and they would do anything yeah. they would do anything yeah uh, Shirin, I thank you so much for your time today and and your your sage perspective. And I hope you come back soon. Um, and thanks for the work that you're doing. Thank you very much, Jan. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye bye.
edition of Rook the Uprising, The Rebirth of Iranian Pride, episode 209. Back here in the Rook studio with Dr. Feridun Rahmani. He's an associate professor at York University. His research focuses on critical human rights in the Middle East, social exclusion, justice, war, violence, ethnicity, social policy, and quality of life. His most recent book, published in 2020, is entitled Rooftop Societies, the Middle East Paradox. He's also an expert on Kurdish affairs. And right now, Dr. Feridun Rahmani is joining me in the Rook studio. Hello, sir. Hello, Jim. Thanks for having me here. It's a great pleasure. It's a long time coming. I've wanted to have yeah. you here for a long time. Uh, you, you teach at my alma mater. Thank you so much for being mm-hmm. here. Thank you so much for the invite. Um, it's a great pleasure. Let me ask you a general question to begin with. You've been an academic focusing on Iran for many years. Did you have any sense, say two months ago, that one more atrocity, in this case the killing of Massa Amini, could trigger what has now become effectively a new revolution? Uh, honestly, I knew something going to come up. Uh, I didn't know and I was not sure it's going to come from Kurdistan because we have seen in the last 43 years in Iran, we have seen, especially in Kurdistan, I have witnessed uh, worse cases than these. Uh, I remember a few months after the revolution when the jihad against the Kurdish population was issued by Ayatollah Khomeini and many uh, young girls, they were executed. Before getting them executed, the Ayatollah uh, gave the fatwa that they can be uh, taken off of their virginity, having uh, sexually uh, harassed and abused, and then uh, put them under execution. We have seen uh, worst uh, situation against the gender and girls, but I never thought really that this will trigger a national and a, uh, international uh, movement, Xinjiang Azadi, which caused the uproar uh, against the uh, entire atrocities mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. government. Pe- people have learned state. the Kurdish words now. Jenjian uh, Azadi, the, the, that's the Kurdish. For, Kurdish name, yeah. Yes, the Kurdish name actually, uh, originally comes from the uh, culture which uh, traditionally uh, we we see in our culture um, the, the kind of a equality within the gender. If you check the Kurdish collective dances, a group dance, Halparke, uh, the girls and boys, they are uh, uh, holding uh, each other's mm. hand and dancing together. It's uh, If you come to my house and uh, before my mom passed away, uh, it, it, she's bringing tea inside. It's not just ca- uh, bringing the, the hand outside to hand the, the tea or the cookies. She's coming and shaking hand with you and welcomes you. And this is a traditional Kurdish mm. uh, culture where the women are part of the society, are not uh, confined of uh, domestic 
incarceration mm. as unfortunately Sharia law has brought to the mm. uh, community. Uh, unfortunately, uh, in the last 43 years, implementation of the uh, worst uh, uh, male-dominated interpretation of Islam has caused um, atrocities towards uh, not only ethnic minorities such as Kurds, et ethnic uh, religious minorities such as Baha'is, Zoroastrians, or Sunnis um, in Iran, uh, also against uh, women and children, uh, child marriage. We never had it even in the last hundreds of years right, that right, much right. of a child marriage in the country. It's it's a uh, if you well, let's call it the, a new Iranian revolution that uh, spans to all corners of Iran right now. But there is a distinctly um, Kurdish um, element or precipitant. You know, Massa, or as she's known in, in the Kurdish language, Gina uh, Amini, came from a Kurdish-Iranian background. Can you describe the symbolic significance of uh, her killing, her, the way she was treated and, and killed, for the Kurdish community? Gina has been uh, a symbol of uh, uh, human rights violation fundamental rights violation by by the most atrocious regime in the entire world of today as well as I can believe is is nothing less than uh, worst uh, historical uh, atrocious regimes like in, uh, uh, Hitler or Mussolini or uh, Ceausescu and many others they have this is worse it's, it's I think worse because none of them they had the gut to tell their own uh, people what what to wear, what to eat, what to do. Uh, Iranian uh, constitutional law is saying exactly the same decree of Ayatollah Khomeini that Hakim ben Janum Malum Namus Mardum. It means the entire total sovereignty and guardianship not only uh, on the uh, people and their property, on their uh, even honor and uh, women. Um, this is, this is uh, too far uh, really uh, of interpretation of uh, any cultural or religious uh, elements. We never seen it. We never seen it even within the, any other Islamic cultures. Mm. Uh, I don't think even uh, bin Laden had such gut to tell its own people that you don't have, uh, that you have a full sovereignty of, on your entire peoples, mm. women and girls. But but unfortunately, Khamenei and Ayatollah Khomeini, they have that uh, they have given their that credit to to their. But was there an added element mm -hmm. here that this that Masajina, uh, the um, amongst Kurdish Iranians, that this was this was one of us. This uh, she was one of us. Gina, yes, was a girl of 22 years, innocent. Um, um, if um, the girls at the beginning of the revolution, they were executed, it was because they were political, because of their political activism. They were socialist, communism, uh, nationalist, or whatever. But now they are targeting the simple, um, non-political uh, oriented uh, faces, young generations, eight years, 10 years, 20 years, uh, the, the girls. And this Gina was traveling to Tehran for four days in the last uh, summer holidays to enjoy with the brother, uh, visiting some uh, simple market area right, in the right. center of Tehran. And then um, just because a few um, um, 
layers of hair uh, you have to take her to custody and um, uh, beat her to death. Actually, Zina uh, has been uh, a symbol of um, cultural resistance, ethnic resistance, human rights resistance, uh, especially for Kurdish people, because mm. um, uh, traditionally um, the Kurds, they have, uh, they have been saying, uh, take whatever I have, kill me. Take my house, take my home, do not touch my wife, t do not touch my women. And this is uh, very fundamental in terms of culture. We may call it patriarchy or something, but this has, has been happening as an honor or respect, whatever. Uh, while uh, this girl has been uh, really singled out, uh, taken away from the community, taken away from the family and brother, and um, uh, atrociously uh, has been uh, dealt with um, for something which we have seen a discrimination. Yeah. Many other girls, they have been easily uh, interrogated and then uh, left free and they have walked back to the home. Nowadays, uh, it's uh, totally uh, different. I mean, even the in interrogation is an atrocity, but for it to go this far, can I just ask you anecdotally or, or as a sidebar, I should say, I mean, I. I really don't know the answer to this. Is is there a? I've heard the name Maso and the name Gina used kind of interchangeably. Is there a symbolic difference for you? Uh, is, uh, originally, like my son, uh, has a Kurdish name, but unfortunately, when you go to the Iranian embassy or uh, you go back to Iran, uh, those names, because of the, their cultural uh, Kurdishness, uh, they don't accept it. Gina is a very very uh, simple uh, name, which means. Uh, Zendegi or uh, the life mm. uh, and it's uh, it's a really um, part of the culture when when many girls uh, all around the uh, country they, they they are named Gina but unfortunately in the documentation they are not accepted and this is uh, you mean, always you mean you this is see these are things that yeah, yeah I just I marvel at as a kid who grew up in the West so you you you, you can't have a document where your name is Gina no I well, your, your, what, your, what, what would be wrong with the name Gina? What, what is because the, for some reason uh, they they accepted Massa, which is an Iranian name as well, mm -hmm. is very respectful. But again, parents decided to put her. But name people as don't a, have the right to name their kid. Their no, whatever. many names, Kurdish names, are it's not remarkable. Uh, I remember at the beginning of uh, revolution, many many was more free, open. Many uh, Kurdish families they were putting their names like Shorish, uh, Jian, uh, Juan, or Gina. Uh, but slowly, uh, um, systemically, uh, they forced the people. Not so you to literally use those go names. to a, I don't know some kind of institution, some place, and they say we don't accept this name. The, 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 you you are not getting your ID. You're not getting your passport. Plus, in, in public spaces, which is all uh, controlled by the government, Guzinesh system, which is a selection for university or public jobs or teacher, um, whatever, as soon as they see Gina name, mm. you're not getting it. Again, 100%. for a lot of Iranians that have grown up in Iran or are currently in Iran, they, they sort of roll their eyes that I'm even asking all these questions. Yes, of course, Jan, that's the way it is. But it really is remarkable the level of 
repression, suppression yeah. that, that, no, sorry, we're not going to accept the name that you wanted to name your kid or that your kid wants to be called. Um, again, not to say that there's anything wrong with the name Massa, of course, but yeah. it's, uh, it's, it is really, really remarkable, the depth of this stuff. We've been hearing since the beginning of these five weeks, Dr. Rahmani, that, that the strongest and most maybe the most universal opposition to this regime in a community um, and and participation in this revolution has been amongst Kurds from Kurdistan. What can you tell us about how deep the commitment to change is? Definitely the Kurds, uh, they have been they have been one of the first groups to speak up against the call of Ayatollah Khomeini for a referendum towards Islamic Republic because uh, our understanding was that we are here for independence. We are here independence of the country from west and east. That was the Istiqlal, which Ayatollah Khomeini was uh, uh, claiming. The people, they were for that, for the freedom, Azadi, uh, better uh, life and less uh, involvement of Sawak in the people's life was was beautiful, but then when he started uh, Islamic Republic, no word less or more, and that was uh, an issue. When Dr. Abdul Rahman Qasimlu, one of the Kurdish leaders, spoke up against, and he got ninety-seven percent in the first Iranian election in in Kurdistan, uh, in Mahabad, Eastern Azerbaijan, and Kurdistan, he got the, one of the most uh, words. Uh, Ayatollah Khomeini called him Mahdurul Dam. He is. Uh, um, he should be killed. He's not supposed to come to Tehran. And many Kurdish uh, elected uh, members of parliament and the first parliament, they were not really um, uh, sure to go back to, to go to go to the assembly. They spoke up against the Islamic Republic. The referendum was um, abandoned by the, the Iranian, Kurdish Iranians, as well as many other Kurd- uh, Iranian nationalists, Ali and uh, women, modern women who did not yeah. want really be part of it. But unfortunately, even uh, many uh, political organizations who they were um, for revolution and for ethnic rights in theory, but practically they become of agent and agitator of Islamic Republic. Mm. That was the success for Ayatollah. But the Kurds at the beginning of the the, uh, revolution, they were against the Islamization of the country at least Islamization of the Kurdistan. I remember I was going to Sanandaj, Kermansha, and Mahabad in the cities. The soldiers, they were from Isfahan or Tehran or whatever, they, they were coming to Kurdistan, and they were surprised when they see on the uh, passage and uh, the shoppings, the um, Iranian musics like Gugush, Dariush, and mm. all st- still playing. And they were buying the cassettes, taking it for home in Tehran and Isfahan because it was forbidden. And this is true. You can uh, you can communicate with many, many Iranian Kurds at the time. They will tell you the the reality of this story, and this shows that the the culture does not accept uh, par- part of our culture is music, or religion is music. The Yazidis Yarasan they play music in their things. We ha- we we are growing up with the tambour, tambourine, uh, violin, and all those things. 
we have seen it. Never my father said this is haram, mm. and this is this is uh, horrible when 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 a leader comes to save the country and calls for separation of male and female. But the determination the amongst the, the Kurdish people and the, the the Iranian Kurds um, to seemingly change or die. We, we, we're, we're willing to be out on the streets. We're willing to, to stand up to this to a level that we almost don't see in other parts of, of, of Iran. Where does that come from? Mm, the, the people, they have to come on, uh, in understanding that there exists a, some other world, that we, came, we, we, we come to this world for one time. Either we live or we, uh, we live it properly as a human with the dignity, or we live the, the life mm. uh, with respect and dignity. So dignity is part of their life. Uh, the, 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 the Kurds, they have been struggling for their rights uh, all around the world. Unfortunately, in uh, 15, uh, in 16th century, when 75% of the uh, Iranian uh, Iranian territory, which was majority of the Kurdish uh, region, was separated from Iran in Chaldoran War, and that was the first secessionist action by by Iranian uh, regime Safavids, which separated a uh, big portion of it, and that still is in mind and heart of many Kurd Kurds, not only in Iran, even outside, why we have been separated mm. from our home uh, country. And now we are forced to speak Turkish, Arabic, uh, Syrianic, or whatever. While in Iran, we are celebrating Nowruz and Charsham Missouri, and they have to deal with the police atrocities right. and other things. I think the people uh, in, in Iran as well, uh, they came to an understanding, they have come to understanding that this is a time to be our identity. Yeah. The thing which I was talking in my Rooftop Societies book. Yes. Unfortunately, in Middle East from coast to coast, from Yemen to North Africa, the people, they are not their self. They change their identity mm. because of fear, because of atrocious cities around, because of the conflicts and wars, and because of I'm afraid maybe I'm not getting the services or uh, resources which I have to get mm. by just showing off my identity. If you are Shiite, I am Sunni, I may hide it because you might do something to me or I do something to you. That identi identity, uh, rooftop society on the, on the streets, you live differently than inside and on top of your flat roof. It's, it's horrible, has to really be being eliminated. The people has to be seen equal and in equitable um, understanding. You, uh, you mentioned Sanandaj a moment ago, um, a major city in Kurdistan and, and the Kurdish, uh, Kurdistan region of Iran. Uh, it's been described recently as a war zone. I mean, wh what is happening in Sanandaj um, and places like Zahedan and Erdbil is, is at another level from in terms of the repression from um, from what we hear in Shiraz and Tehran, etc. What what do you know about what's been happening in Sanandaj? 
Um, unfortunately, um, uh, there is no statistics of what's going on, uh, but with my communications and emails with many different friends inside and outside, or the ones have taken refugee in camps in Iraqi Kurdistan, they run away from Iran. Uh, I am in contact on daily basis, and there are thousands of people they have been injured. Uh, many, many um, tens of people, they have been killed, and maybe hundreds, they are in jail right now. Many families, they, 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 they are not really, um, they are afraid to speak up or even mention their, their kids, they have been uh, captured. They, they don't want to speak up, they don't want to mention their name because they, they feel as soon as they reveal their name of their kids, captured or killed, uh, some other members of the family, uh, family they may suffer. Uh, we will know this maybe in, in weeks or months when everything uh, calms down and we know the situation. Uh, if the regime is, has been taken down, then reports going to come out. Uh, unfortunately, so you can't even mention the name of your, no, your kid that's no, died. The, no, yeah. uh, I have two names I show you in, in my phone, uh, the relatives uh, and friends. Uh, the, some of them, the kidney is, is uh, destroyed and is looking for medication or whatever, and they are looking for sources within the friend uh, and um, uh, relatives. Um, the, the regime... The regime is looking for those things, in especially in Kurdistan region, uh, to uh, to um, make every single uh, member of that community uh, their mouth, sh mouth shout, uh, shot, yeah. and make them afraid. Uh, unfortunately, since day one, the, the 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 Kurdistan region, all the Kurdish uh, areas from Ilam to to Urumia region, uh, especially in Sanandaj area, uh, has become a um, uh, m military base for Iranian regime. Uh, if you calculate uh, five, six million people, uh, I think two, three million uh, soldiers, security forces, administratives, ayatollahs, representative of the things, they are with their family widely spread in mm. entire region. And um, many people, they have their, uh, their own uh, authority and guns uh, to use it in that region. Uh, the many... Um, what do you mean they have their own authority? They have full authority from the governor in okay. the region to act and there, as uh, Khamenei said, Atash uh, you have the, the to full authority of the um, your officer in 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 Iranian Kurdistan, especially in Sanandaj, is totally different story. If a Basiji or Lebas Shahsi or private um, plain clothes militia, yeah. militia, uh, if they afraid in Tehran or Isfahan to use their force uh, violently some of them in in kurdistan they don't fear they don't it because they will they will um, be um, honored and respected by their 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 well they, they also bank upper. on on uh, we, we saw this with sisan they that they bank on the the world not caring as much right uh, if it's not in Tehran and it's not in uh, Shira or Iran, not even the the people not carrying them as much. I mean, is you, this raises the issue around how how we you know for, f there is some news coming out of Iran. It's difficult because of the the crackdowns on the internet, on communication, on cellular devices, etc. 
the news though generally tends to be from the big cities from the big yeah. urban area we don't know how much is going on and uh, you know we we know there was a massacre in Zahidan we know th- there's a, it's a war zone in Sanadaji as you say there's no greater authority than you if you if you have no idea what the numbers are uh, I don't know who does how, how does that reverse itself I mean is it, how do we how do we get past the point where we don't know what's happening in the periphery of the country uh, about the first part of your uh, your 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 talk about the um, outside world uh, honestly I never expected that all the Western countries to come and be in alignment with or supporting the the, the voices of Iranian young um, uh, uprisers mm-hmm. and revolutionary you think that's a pipe dream to think that uh, the west would care the, the the problem is people like robert molly yesterday if you hear the news that he tells just a bunch of people they have come and protesting against iranians robert molly is uh, uh unfortunately um biden's um administrator oh in the inter the, the foreign affairs desk on iran he's responsible for the desk of iran and he calls he's just still um appeasing the islamic republic's authorities uh, to come forward and do the continue the negotiation on, on uh, diplomatic relations and atomic things. Well, people like Robert Mali, they are a shame to international community as well as shame to uh, Iranians, uh, hundreds of Iranians and their families who they, uh, they lost their kids and families. Uh, Robert Mali has to go and see what's going on in Iran and what's going on in Kurdistan. There are hundreds of students and girls and boys, they are massacred and killed. Robert Mali will be on on a, um, um, on a international cri- criminal court if continues like this. I I believe you cannot support the Iranian regime in this situation. This is very dangerous. Uh, don't become uh, Milosevic or somebody yeah. else. We we are losing our people and lives. We are losing our people. They are ki- dying on the streets. So um, the the. Um, Iranians, they are suffering. We need support. We don't want gun. We, we want you to be with our people. We want that international community, at least if you are not becoming a voice of support, don't become a support of Iranian regime. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is not good for our people. It's sorry for my sensitivity, but mm, People in Iran will take care, take care of their, their problems. They know what they want. I remember when I was a young 15 years and 16 years in Iranian revolution against the Shah, uh, I thought, I thought uh, we, we're going to have a freedom, but I didn't know what freedom means. Freedom for many of us was um, get rid of Americans, because we were pissed off with 1953's yeah. um, coup against uh, the Mossadegh. Mm-hmm. We were pissed off and was rightfully, but I didn't, I didn't know that freedom means I have a right to wear the clothes I want. Right, yeah. Uh, now we feel it. We know the truth of human rights. We, need, we know the essence of freedom and democratic rights, uh, the, the people's sovereignty, the, the people's um, respect and dignity. I remember at the beginning of revolution calling somebody liberal. Uh, it was uh, kind of a negative things. 
they were ca- they were calling Bazargan and many yeah. uh, mm, Jeb Lee or um, um, National Front uh, yeah. members liberal uh, nationalists liberal. Yeah. and liberal was negative now becomes a positive thing in in our our uh, slogans liberty is the most uh, desirable uh, slogan and uh, um, goal for all Iranians, 85 million, not only in Iran, in Afghanistan, in Pakistan, in Saudi Arabia, in many other countries. Liberty, women's right, children's right, Xinjian Azadi is something has become a fundamental democratic principles mm. and we have to go that word and we have to be careful We're calling somebody Tajziagara uh, or secessionist ca- calling somebody uh, mm, uh, militaristic or whatever it's, it's harming our You're unity. referencing, I mean sometimes we hear uh, the Kurds are, uh, the Iranian Kurds are sort of painted with a brush of, oh, these are a bunch of separatists. They want to eventually uh, get separate from Iran. Um, talk to me about that. Uh, unfortunately, I hear this m- in many uh, places and within many, many communities. And fortunately, many of them, they never ever communicated with the Kurdish people uh, while yeah, they, are, they are blaming the Kurds are uh, cessationists and separatists. In, in Iraq, if the Kurds, they want to be separatists, that's their rights because they are not culturally, historically part of the, uh, the, the Iraqi Shiite Sunni, which they have no, even after two years, they don't have the, even the established government in Iraq. If they, they are separating from Bashar Assad, that's their right. You know, we are, uh, I think, part of Iranian history and culture. If we want to have a federal system, that's our rights. And the people they are deciding. That's the people and the vote they are deciding. But never ever in the history of Iranian activism, political activism from Komalejakov, which is 100 years, and then Hezbo Democratic Kurdistan of Iran, Democratic Party of Kurdistan, or Komala. None of them, A to Z, I know all of them, none of them has been uh, talking about separa- separation from Iran. We cannot separate it. Why? Uh, if we have 10 million... Well, there was a Republic of Mahabad in the late 1940s. It was a, a federal uh, yeah. part of Iranian federal system. Uh, we can talk on that. Uh, it's, it's propaganda. Uh, Republic of Mahabad was part of the... Uh, but it's Jamahir. getting into the weeds. Yeah. It's not really where I want to go. But, but <clears throat> in terms of this question of... Um, you mentioned earlier that different ethnic groups that exist within the Iranian tapestry. Do you... I mean, it's it's so easy. It's so strange to even have these conversations when the goal of you see there's this universal goal of how do we get rid of this regime? Let's get rid of this regime. But do you worry that 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 somehow emerging from this is not a united Iran? Uh, that that where every every one of these groups, including Kurds, are are part of the are on the bus together, if you will. I guarantee, as Freydun Rahmani, professor at York University, a professor at the Equity Studies, I guarantee you, as long as I am alive, those, I prove it, that all those Kurdistan Democratic Parties, 
Democrat Kumala and mm, those five political Kurdish parties, because I have been in daily contact with mm. most of them. I have been sitting with the chairs and directors of those political parties, as well as in Iraqi Kurdistan, as well as in Europe or Canada. They, I have been talking to all of them, and none of them is willing or wishing to separate from Iran. Mm. My wish and desire is to, from Kabul, drive without border all the way to, to, to Syria, Damascus, and Istanbul. We, we should have a unified uh, uh, Middle Eastern Union. Why we should, we should eliminate that from our young generations? Why uh, that happening in Canada, Mexico, mm. and United States, that happening in Germany, France, and um, Austria uh, doesn't happen in Tehran, Istanbul, and Baghdad? Oh, why we should uh, should prevent such Do you things? think it's possible? It's Do you think possible. it's realistic? It's everything. We are not inventing the, the wheel. Everything is on the table. Human rights is there. Respect is there. Universal citizenship is there. Respect towards women's rights. Exactly the April 1971 was, uh, 79 was the Iranian revolution. Six months later, 1971, uh, 79, right. August 18, 1979 was a, 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 a compendium for the women's rights. Yes. The same time Ayatollah Khomeini was forcing women to cover their faces and use chador and head scarf. The United Nations was signing an agreement uh, for uh, eliminating discrimination against women exactly the same months. So we are going in a direct, uh, d uh, d different direction. The world direction. is moving forward, we are going backward. The will is there, use it. Your women's right is there, children's rights is, is there. Uh, principles for democratization of countries is there. Uh, the, the, the constitution, why should be a male-dominated uh, interpretation? And that's a Ayatollah-dominated interpretation mm -hmm. of religion. Not young generations, they know what they want. 46% of Iranians, they are under 30 years. 46, half of the population is under yes, 30 years. Yes. They are not having any... More than that, I think. Maybe more or, than yeah, that. Yes, uh, yes. It's almost close to 50% uh, yes. population, they are young. Yes, not, yes. Majority non-married. They are at the schooling or looking for jobs. Yes. Why we, we should make decisions for them? If you remember in one of the demonstrations when I, when I was talking, Hamid uh, 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 Ismailians and his institutions, yes. they called me and I spoke in yes. to, to in, uh, I, I said one of my well, uh, well wishes, uh, one of my fundamental desires and wishes is that in the future, the majority of women take the role of leadership. We failed, majority of us. The men, we failed. Uh, we failed because we, we, we couldn't stop Ayatollah Khomeini to be in power. We failed because we gave him to deal with our women's atrociously. We allowed him to uh, have the gut and call jihad against the women, jihad against universities, jihad against ethnic minorities, yeah. jihad against Baha'is. When we want to really, uh, in, in not only Iran, in Islamic world, when we want to come to an understanding. 
we are unequal no matter what color no matter what religion no matter what what uh, jurisprudence you are believing no matter what language you're speaking I, I I'm pretty sure in a democratic Iran, if 500 Az Azaris they live in Sanandaj, they will have rights to speak in their, their own mother tongue, uh, along with Persian language or Farsi language as a unified language in the country. Uh, I'm pretty sure if it's a hundred Baluchis or Kurds or Fars, they living in Tabriz, they will have a chance to speak their mother tongue, and uh, the city. Of the and the mayor of the region will give them the chance to to be equal to others. That's my wish and desire, and will happen. We are moving. We never thought. I remember with 1998, I was doing my PhD with Professor Wolfgang Schulz in in Vienna. Uh, I, he asked me. Uh, sign up here for an email. I said, what is email? <laughs> I didn't know what is email. And now, uh, as soon as we finish, you're going to click the button, rock going to be all around the world. Kurdish people, yes. Afghanis, Iranians, Germans, yes. all around the world. world will change, Jan. world will change. We, we will see it, I promise you. Mm -hmm. Khamenei won't see it, but we will see it. And I hope, I hope one day um, uh, we come to understanding that we don't have separatists. We have different opinions. We have different pluralistic uh, mosaics of cultures and ideologies. I don't care what, I, what kind of ideology and religion you believe, but we have all equal rights and equal saying in future of our country. Let me, on that note, um, a couple of final questions. Thank you for being here. Um, you you have spoken at one of the big, the big rallies. You know you you're aware of these big rallies. Uh, on the weekend, there was maybe a hundred thousand people in Berlin. I opened today's uh, program with a with an essay called the the We're witnessing the rebirth of Iranian pride, talking about how what these young people in Iran have started um, has. Um, distribute itself throughout the world where we're all feeling this pride where we could actually even talk about being Iranian in a way that we haven't for 43 years. Um, we don't feel like we have to issue the asterisks that we're not with this regime when we say we're Iranian um, and we're walking down, you know, Young Street in Toronto. Do, do you feel like this is a, um, are you feeling proud? Um, do you feel Iranian pride in a different way now than, than, than you have in recent decades? Uh, I, I am pride of Iranians, today's Iranians, especially young generation, because first of all, in the Iranian revolution, 1971, 79, uh, those young generations, they were not part of the revolution. Today they are. Uh, and oh, those they were part of the revolution, they didn't know what they want. Now we know what we want. Uh, the freedom is clear for us. Democratic rights, it's clear for us. And I'm very proud because uh, now unification has come. There are issues and problems, and they are aware of it. There are different voices and colors coming in between to distract the, the unity, and the people are aware of it. And I'm really proud of them, and I hope these they stay on the top of the movement. They are staying on the top of the uh, future changes and control of politics. We don't want to give a mic to the one separates me and you. We may have different opinions, but all of us, we have a heart for change 
an improvement for entire population. How do we navigate that? How do we navigate the not giving the mic to the, I mean, there's people who um, many folks point out right now and say, you've been enabling this regime for the last 40 years. We don't want you a part of this. What do you, what do you say about that? I think we have to be voice of a voiceless people in Iran. We have to become a voice of a voiceless. In, in, in Iranian revolution, those ones, they had voice who they were bending towards Ayatollah Khomeini. Mm. If somebody criticizing you, you have to invite it and really give a chance to speak up. The, the, for for first 30 years post-revolution, in the majority of uh, medias, they were focusing on their own ethnic or group uh, issues. Mm-hmm. I remember the, the nationalist or royalist or padishahi or uh, constitutionalist, they were talking about what they are talking. We hear that. But I'm talking about the divisions in the diaspora. You know, when on the weekend in a Toronto um, rally, a bunch of people are screaming at an MP saying, we don't want you here because you we've seen pictures of you with this regime. We don't want you part of this. How, how, how do you react to that? Uh, I've seen, for example, something against Joe Harry came up. Mm-hmm. He did a horrible and fatal mistake. Uh, he was elected by people, no matter how, with support maybe or whatever. Uh, I don't have facts, but the first uh, and most uh, the fun, uh, fatal mistake he did, he was instead calling the community to co- go to his gatherings. He's calling the Ayatollah regime's terrorist members of parliament to come to his office. I have seen him many times. He was my friend, but uh, I was really, really so, disappointed. So, my question is, do we, is this the time that we should deal with that? Or is that something uh, that you put off until the... <laughs> I mean, that's the question, right? We, we should do, deal with it in a di- diplomatic matter, not um, uh, really being too harsh and mm-hmm. really excluding some parts. But we have to touch on those problems. Those are problems. Uh, Okay, yeah. what what do you, I, we're going to do a whole program about that? So I'll, I'll we don't have to get into it here right now. Did, what what do you? A final question. The crystal ball is impossible. But what is your? If you were to guess, if you were to imagine, where do you think things will go in the coming weeks and months? Um, there are uh, sociologists. They don't. Pro- pro- uh, I know. Uh, pro- I know. Program. I did the disclaimer for you. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, I think the, the the if if Western countries they continue the way what they are doing right now, it's gonna be a bloodshed in Iran. Uh, Ayatollahs will will uh, bring uh, militarize the the entire uh, region. And there will be a defection within the military for sure if that happens. Wait a second. What did you say? If the Western countries do what? Uh, they don't support the people of Iran. If they continue to not continue support Continue not people supporting of Iran. or they uh-huh. continue to support like uh, Robert Mali supporting right, the right. Iranian regime. Implicitly or otherwise support the regime. Yeah. 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 If, if uh, practically uh, become a voice of Iranian young uh, people and the families they are suffering with the atrocious regime uh, under the atrocious regime of Iran, if they are not supporting, right, and they continue the way, uh, even Bar- though they issue the platitudes. I mean, yeah. Biden has said we yeah. support the women of Iran, etc. But it's, it's not uh, in word, in action. Yes. We want action. Yes. We want that the the, the 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 diplomats who they are. All around the world, their banks, their their uh, the, the, the minister of foreign affairs should not travel outside Iran. 
He's not supposed to be there. When those continue this way, the Iranians, they will uh, think about that to take down, crack down on the people harshly. And then uh, possibly part of the military will defect from the regime and that will be a, a military uh, a, um, confrontation. Mm -hmm. uh, if the people, they could gone from through that, that defection, the, the guns leaks in, in some of the cities, then we will have a kind of a few weeks civil war in Tehran, Isfahan, Shiraz, and centers of Iran. I hope it's not happening. Yeah. That's the worst scenario. Yeah. But, and uh, the Ayatollahs, they want that. But if they do that... They want a civil war? They want... If, if, they, if finally they have to leave the country, they have nowhere to go. And Ayatollah Khamenei and son... Um, they may see that as an option, and that's the horrible mistake if they do, because if there is a chance they, they will be put on a um, national fair trial, they will lose that, and their all entire group and family will be endangered. The people, they, will, they won't stop. That's one thing. The other thing is if uh, Americans, they do a mistake to support few generals and do a, a coup uh, to to change the direction. That's another mistake if that happens. I hope the desire is that Khamenei goes away by itself, suicide or whatever the way Hitler did, and people call for a um, um, preliminary government and call all the layers of society to be part of a, a referendum of change uh, towards uh, democracy, human rights. I don't care about the title of the future country. The ethnic rights has to be reinstated. The women's rights has to be reinstated in full uh, power. The children's right, environment's right, animal's right, uh, people's right, uh, right to conversion in uh, all the way to rights to mother tongue has to be reinstated in the country. And I'm pretty sure you, young generation, um, they will, they will uh, go for it. They will support it because they are familiar what, with, with the needs of the um, Iranians, uh, modern 21st century. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I appreciate it. Dr. Feridun Rahmani, Associate Professor at York University. His latest book, published in 2020, is entitled Rooftop Societies, The Middle East Paradox. Dr. Feridun Rahmani has been with me here in the Rook studio. This is full time for Rook for today. Thank you to everybody for listening to us. For all uh, your information about what you uh, hear on this program, for all of our previous episodes, for special editions, videos, um, funnies, different edits, Rook Moments, our different programs. Rookmedia.com is the hub of all things Rook. Rookmedia.com. Please check that out. And um, thank you to the amazing team who put this show together and who work so hard every day on this program. Savvy Roham, Talented Anahita, Parisa, Pega, Merdad, and Shia. Thank you to all of you out there for supporting us and sharing our content. Please subscribe if you haven't done so already. Find me on Instagram at Gian Gomeshi. And as ever, Mizun Mashi.